1: Welcome to the Roto-Grinders Morning Grind Podcast. I'm your host, CBTPFL. It's Wednesday. It is April 22nd. It's 2020, and we're going to talk something that we've never talked about on the podcast before. And, you know, it's those times right now where we're having some fun. We're talking some esports. We're talking about all kinds of different stuff. Today, we're going to talk about sports card collecting, and we're joined today by Jeff Wilson from sportscardinvestor.com. Jeff, how are you doing, my friend? Doing great.
2: Thanks for having me on the show.
1: I'm excited, man. Like you know, we 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 started talking a few minutes ago. You jumped on. I see all the Gator stuff in the background. I'm already. I'm I'm good to go here. Um, you know, anytime that I have a fellow Gator, um, I'm good to go.
2: Yeah, I've got. uh, Let's see, Danny Warfel, Tim Tebow, and Steve Spurrier autographed footballs all behind me here. So we're well represented today.
1: Yeah, I have um, the back-to-back championship poster is next to me, um, signed by Joe Kim and those guys, so um, good times, that was a lot of fun, so Jeff, I'm excited to talk some sports card, um, you know, trading and investing and stuff like that here, let's get started with just kind of like a general background on you, um, you know, how did you get into sports cards, you know, how, you know, tell me about yourself.
2: Yeah, sure. Well, I used to be into sports cards as a little kid, as I'm probably a lot of your listeners were, right? Like ni- late 1980s, early 1990s, sports cards, everyone, everyone was collecting baseball cards. And of course, a lot of the cards from that era are worth, unfortunately, not a whole lot today. Although some of them are coming back. I was just looking actually at Ken Griffey Jr.'s 1989 Upper Deck card, that kind of iconic Ken Griffey Jr. from that era. And if you've got that card in gen mint condition graded, that card is now worth $1,500. And by the way, that same card two weeks ago was worth $700. And that is the volatility of the sports card market, which makes it actually really, really cool from a flipping and investing standpoint. But anyway, when we were kids, it wasn't, it wasn't about that, right? It was just about collecting cards of your favorite players and trading with your friends and everything like that. Um, I totally forgot about sports cards. uh, As I got a little bit older, obviously, uh, you know, went off to college and never thought about sports cards again. I was a, I was an entrepreneur, started various businesses. Um, You know, we can talk a little bit more about that if you want, but then got back into sports cards about two years ago, when my son, uh, you know, I've I've got three kids now and, and my I had a, he was seven years old at the time. And he said, Hey, dad, I'd like to buy some football cards. Uh, He was kind of into Pokemon and uh, he had some Pokemon cards. We want to buy some football cards. I'm like, oh, I'm like, I don't even know they still make those anymore. But let's go find some football cards because I actually still have like 10,000 of them in a box, you know, in my attic. Um, And we got football cards and I started looking at them and I'm like, man, this is this is a lot different and a lot better than it was when I was a kid. And immediately I started to see the business potential in this. And I said, Wow. I said, I think sports cards are really gonna become the next big thing again. And I think people who start buying sports cards now are gonna end up making a ton of money by selling and flipping those sports cards in the years ahead. And my timing on that was perfect. The sports card market as a whole has really has, you know, I'd say it's probably has gone up uh, 2X, 3X, 4X over the course of even the last 12 months, depending on what type of card selection you own. And so there's, I mean, there's, there's money to be made, there's money to be had. And I still think that there's a lot of that potential in front of us. So I've gotten super into it, started a YouTube show about it and, um, and, uh, started, a, a data tool to show people what cards to buy. So all that kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, that's, that's a ton of fun. Let, let's, I'm going to, I'm going to kind of go backwards and then we're going to go forwards. Uh, cause that's what I like to do on this podcast because, Hey, I'm the host and I can do what I want. Um, <laughs> Entrepreneurship background, you know, I-, I was hearing some cool stuff that you were doing, so let let's get into that a little bit um, because it doesn't seem like this is your first go around in you know stuff like this.
2: Yeah, no, I I started a company. When I was in college. I started a website design company called Three Five Two in Gainesville at U- at UF, and by the time I graduated, had eight students working for me uh building websites for small businesses this was the late 90s so a lot of companies were getting online for the very first time and it was um you know i mean the stuff we were doing back then super simple compared to i mean it was was a lot of web pages back then because companies were literally just building a single page just to get a presence and we charged really low fees because we were a bunch of students doing it Um, but the business really grew and so i started doing that full time uh when i graduated college and uh that business uh, I still run today. Uh, We've got 65 employees and, and, you know, it's a $10 million a year business now uh, doing a lot more than just websites, but that's still, you know, kind of the core of what got it going. Um, And uh, along the way I started a number of different startups Um, been involved in uh, everything from uh, actually an online football game startup uh, that involved Pete Carroll and, and Steve Spurrier and some other coaches to, um social media software to um apartment listing websites in Florida to all kinds of things and um so yeah it's been a fun it's been a fun entrepreneurial journey i've always been very into doing digital things and finding you know finding business opportunities online
1: uh it sounds like a ton of fun old ball coach man um old ball coach he was a <laughs> nut man
2: we we did uh he, he was every bit the character you would think he was and more. I got to spend a whole day with him uh, filming, uh, filming a whole bunch of video clips and talking to him about this online football game that we were building, which was, which was called CampSpurrier.com. So we were using him as the namesake. We worked out a licensing deal with him to use his name and his image in this online football game. Unfortunately, it was not a commercial success. It was, I ended up spending a lot of money on the project. That was one of my big failures along the way um no no fault of the ball coach it was really a matter of market timing where we launched that thing in 20 in 2008 right into the downturn Uh, we had also built the whole thing in flash and of course flash quickly went out of vogue with the iphone and the ipad and none of that stuff supporting flash and um it just and also the nfl came out with their own online kids football game that we were competing with it was just a series of things happened that made it not a commercial success but it it I still have the memory of getting to hang out with Steve Spurrier for a day. Also got to hang out with Pete Carroll for a day and Charlie Weiss and Phil Fulmer and Barry Switzer. Cause we were, all of them were involved in one way or another and it was, it was pretty, pretty fun time.
1: Oh, that sounds like a ton of fun. You have any, um, do you have any fun, uh, UF like Gator stories? Um, you know, I, I have a few, but you know, I've told a lot of mine. Do you have any fun UF stories? Well, I'll
2: tell you that day, of course, at, at that time, Stu Spurrier was the South Carolina coach. So we went right. to, uh, we went to uh, Columbia and uh, met him at his football office in Columbia. And we had to drive him, uh, my wife and I, who were working on the project, we, we had to drive him to the video studio in Columbia where we were going to film all the video that day. So he followed us in his car uh, behind us. And we, of course, didn't know Columbia, and for whatever reason, the address that we put into our GPS literally took us into the South Carolina countryside, and we end up turning down all these small country roads, and I'm just like, there's no way this is right, that there's a video studio out here, and he's just following behind us. And then it tells us to turn right onto a dirt road, and we start going down this dirt road, and then it says, you've arrived at your destination. (laughs) And I looked at my wife and I said, the little bit that I know about Steve Spurrier is that he's not going to take this well. And I, I, I also know that he responds better to women than to men. I said, I think you better go back there and talk to him. <laughs> and she went back there and uh, apologized to the head ball coach. He was not amused, uh, but we did find our way to, um, to the studio that day. And then what was funny, we spent the whole day with him at the end of the day. I asked him if he could autograph a football for me and this is the football I actually have right here behind me and he said sure and he took the football and he autographs it to Kimberly Steve Spurrier Kimberly being my <laughs> wife's name and hands it back to me. Won't put my name, won't put my name on the football cuz he was so mad that I got him lost down a dirt road. But you know that's Steve Spurrier, classic classic Steve Spurrier. Oh
1: well, that that's a good one. That one that one's fun. So you know, I, I've watched some of your YouTube videos and I'm going to, I'm going to go back to, you know, kind of talking sports cards and stuff here. Um, you know, you start off your videos by talking about how you spend your daytime investing in like tech companies and then like your, your nighttime inspect in, in investing in like sports cards and stuff. Now ha- have you learned stuff that like you've taken from investing in like tech companies and trans Admitted it into, you know, investing in the sports cards?
2: Yeah. You know, there's, it's interesting watching the sports card market. Um, I mean, I'm sure I I think you could take lessons from the stock market. I think you could take lessons from business. I think you could apply a lot of things over to it. I mean, one of the first things that I saw was the sports card market. First of all, it's a massive market. Like people don't understand that this is eBay's biggest sales category. And the fact that sports cards can be bought and sold on eBay makes them so liquid that you can get into them you can buy cards you can sell them a couple of days later get your cash right back out make you know flip make money so it's very very liquid and and it's ebay's number one category so it's this huge i mean we're talking billions and billions of dollars a year in sports cards that are bought and sold in america but the tools was it was so unsophisticated and i looked at this market and i'm like man like the people the They don't, they have a lack of information. They don't, they're not able to see the data trends. They're not able to understand how the market is moving. There's a lack of information. And so from investing in other businesses and that type of thing, you know, data is often king and people always want to, um, you know, invest in, um, in, in better data, better, better analytics, better reporting. None of that stuff existed in the sports card hobby. So that's some of the stuff that I built as part of my membership program and have brought into play. Um, you know, another thing that I, I, I saw is just like any other business, it's good to invest in what, you know, it's good to pick a niche. And so I would say if, um, the listeners out there, you know, if you consider yourself, if you're a a big fan of modern NBA, then invest in basketball cards. If you're a really big fan of baseball, and maybe if you're a big baseball fantasy sports player, then invest in baseball cards, you know, it's best to invest in what, you know, and that's true in business and that's true in sports cards. Um, and, uh, and and so you know I've done a lot of my focus on initially on basketball, and that's been the hottest market, although I although I branch more into baseball and football some recently as well. So it's um, there's opportunities you just have to you just have to understand what you're what you're doing and, and know the sports well.
1: Yeah, we we're, we're gonna talk about that um, whole basketball thing. I got a text right before we got on. We're gonna we're gonna talk some more of your basketball cards here in a little while. Um, I did want to mention that your site sportscardinvestor.com, dot um, you know you talked about it a few minutes ago on how you built all these tools. We are doing a, a promo code with Jeff. Uh, if you use the promo code grinders when signing up you 'll get twenty percent off your first month when you join um, and did you want to quickly just run down the difference between being like a market mover and an investor on the site really quick?
2: Yeah, sure we got two we got two membership levels we 've got the investor level which is uh, great for people who are just dipping their, dipping their toe into this a little bit and want to just get some more information and get their questions answered and be part of an online community that where there's people that are answering questions and talking about this every day, that's the investor level. Uh, For people who want to get a little more serious and actually try to, to use this as a, as a mechanism to make some money, you know, maybe some of your more serious, for example, daily fantasy sports players who who might want to cross over to this and use this as an as a mechanism to actually make some good cash with because it's very possible to do they're going to want to look at the market movers level because with that level you also get my data tool and my data tool shows you the it shows you the card prices of over four thousand popular cards and it shows you how those card prices are moving every single day up and down it also lets you find really good deals on ebay it lets you find uh cards on eBay that are for sale that are undervalued compared to how the prices are moving within the data tool. So it's a really powerful tool. And that promo code you mentioned, Grinders, is 20% off either membership. Um, So sign up for either one and it gets you your 20% off your first month or if you sign up for the annual plan, it's 20% off the first year and the annual plan is already 20% discounted. So it's a pretty good way to go.
1: Yeah, definitely look into that if you're going to take this seriously. Um, we also are going to have a sports card section here on Rotor Grinders as well. Weekly articles, videos. Um, like I'm pretty sure it's like a weekly um, market picks column with Simon. Um, he's really gotten into this, uh, so we'll have some content here as well. But um, hey, we're letting we're letting Jeff do his thing here because he's doing a great job. Just let me know. If I have like, I think I have like twelve Vlad Guerrero Prism Mm -hmm. rookie card autographs that I'm just kind of like I opened out of boxes last week last year. So I just need to know when I need him to go out and hit like ten home runs in the first five games when um the season starts back up.
2: Well, that's so that what you just said though. That's exactly it, right? Sports cards. The market is so volatile that all it takes is a guy to have, in some cases, one good game. And you can see his prices literally shoot up overnight. And that's the type of, that's why there's actually so much similarity between sports cards and, and like daily fantasy sports. And I, I, I don't know how many daily fantasy sports people have realized that yet, but actually the sports card market behaves in a manner that's, you know, where, where those types of performances can really, really affect card prices. I, I remember watching this past, uh, this NBA season early in the season when Trey Young, Uh, he had, he was, he had a couple of games where he just, he scored a ton of points, like 50 points. Um, and I remember watching one of the games on TV and he's scoring more and more and more and more and more. And I'm literally watching on eBay and in my market movers data tool. And I'm watching, I'm watching his cards disappear because they're being, they're, they're being sold. They're being sold. I'm seeing completed transactions feeding into my data tool. And I'm like, wow. And his cards overnight, uh, some of his cards, you know, a card that you could have bought for 200 something bucks was, you know, 400 bucks the very next day. Um, and so it's literally, sometimes you can have an overnight flip. So you said, you know, with Vlad Guerrero, I mean, that's just, honestly, that's it. If he comes out hot and his first few games, he's building home runs. Those cards are probably double uh, what, the, what they are today, you know, in terms of value.
1: Yeah. Um, I I don't like, I, I got into it a little bit last year. Um you know, I I like to open packs and stuff like that, and we'll talk about that in a minute. I I actually have a question that I wanted to ask you about packs and you know buying cards and stuff like that, and we'll we'll get into that in a few minutes. Um, don't want to get too far ahead of myself here, but I, I remember seeing that a lot with like Pete Alonzo last year. Um, his cards, you know, if you bought him early, you made you made some good money on Pete Alonzo last year.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pete Alonzo for sure, because he you know rookie of the year and. He, he had a nice run throughout the course of the season last year. Um, you know, Acuna last year was absolutely red hot. He's been one of the hottest guys in terms of his card prices going up and up and up. This offseason, uh, we've seen labor Torres go up quite a bit over the course of the offseason. Um, we've seen uh, uh, Soto. I like Soto a lot, Juan Soto. His cards have gone up a lot in recent, uh, recent months. Um, so, yeah, a lot of those types of players. And, of course, you know, as things happen during the season, like last year, um, you had uh, Jordan Alvarez, you know, uh, came up big at various times, and um, you had, of course, Juan Soto as well during the Nationals' run. Um, and so you had, you know, when when players have big moments throughout the course of the season, then you really see those prices spike. Um, and it's it's you know it's and the, all the buying and selling activity is is fascinating to watch.
1: All right. Um, Life today is kind of a lot. It forces us to always be on. But every now and then, it's important to just stop, crack open a mountain cold Coors Light and chill. So when you choose to turn off, choose the one beer that's made to chill. Coors Light, mountain cold refreshment made to chill. These days, everything is go, go, go. Nonstop hustle has taken over and it's kind of a lot. There's work, friends, family, a million pressing social issues and expectation to always be on. If the pace of things is wearing you down, take a moment, pause, refresh yourself. You need a moment to turn off for a little bit. Maybe you're going to, you know, get into sports car collecting, been watching TV, maybe just going golfing. When you choose to turn off, reach for the one beer that's made to chill. That's why Coors Light is the one I choose when I need a moment to chill. So when you want to reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. You can have Coors Light delivered by going to get, dot cores.com and finding local delivery options near you celebrate responsibly cores brewing company, golden, Colorado. So, you know, you talked a little bit that, and I just want to get into this really quick um, and then we can continue to move on. But you talked a little bit about, you know, tracking the sports card market, like the actual stock market. Like, do you see it, it really trend, like you, you were talking about like player performances. Do you see like awards or being talked about in like the news, like some of this stuff, like really trend stuff, like you'll see the, like the actual stock market. Oh, a
2: hundred percent. In fact, I mean, there's no greater example than that than watching the incredible run up of prices of Michael Jordan cards, as well as Rodman and Pippin, and, and even a lot of the other classic basketball players as this uh, documentary, the last dance on the SPN, as that was announced, and as that was you know starting to air, I mean the uh, those card prices have been incredible. Jordan, a lot of Jordan's cards over the last over the even even over the course of April. So I mean we're talking three weeks. We've seen some of Jordan's cards go up 300, percent 400. percent I mean cards you could have bought for for 200 bucks uh, back at the beginning of April are over a thousand bucks as of you know the documentary airing last night. And it's because people you know it's because they're sports card investors like like me and others. Are anticipating, you know, who's going to be in the news, how people might react, and, and and that has a very direct effect on card prices. So you can believe that last night, as people are watching the documentary and they're thinking, they're romancing Jordan and Pippin and you know how great they were in this era, that they're then going on eBay and they're looking to buy cards because it it's you know kind of the way for them to reconnect with that era. So if you're savvy about getting out in front of that and anticipating what it might be, whether it's a documentary or whether, by the way, a Hall of Fame announcement, which of course we recently had in basketball or, uh, you know, obviously now we've got the NFL draft and, you know, what are the effects that that's going to have on different guys' card prices? Another example of that was when DeAndre Hopkins was traded from the Texans to the Cardinals, um, you saw Kyler Murray's card prices double, like literally double the week after the trade. Because you know, everyone out there is thinking, "Oh wow, Kyler Murray just got a big target." That means that Kyler Murray's stats are going to look better next year. That means that you know people are going to want to buy Kyler Murray cards during the season next year. That means that I should buy Kyler Murray cards now and and all the all the demand that that created, you know uh, drove up prices instantly. So um, it, it's yeah, it's really neat to watch the movements in the market and, and that the market movers data tool, which I have, charts everything out and and it shows you the daily price changes. It looks just like a stock graph. Like it literally, you pick your players and it shows you all of their cards and it, it charts them out by the day up down, you know, percentage change all that stuff. And so you understand how the market's moving.
1: That's awesome. So I think one of the biggest challenges people are going to get into um, with sports card collecting and sports card investing is what's the trick of balancing the two? What's the trick of balancing investing and collecting? Cause like I have an uncle who is retired Navy. He's a baseball coach for like little league. He, he, he collects baseball cards. He has every top set from like 2001 until now and he never plans on selling them. So, like, what's the trick on like balancing investing and collecting for someone that's getting into this?
2: Well, you can first of all, you can absolutely do both. I do both. Um, my collecting is I own a bunch of Tim Tebow cards.
1: That's right. Uh, but I,
2: I'm buying. I'm buying Tim Tebow, not really as an investment, you know, because uh, I, you know, I'm not sure i will ever make it in the majors. And obviously, he doesn't have much career in front of him. Uh, I'm buying him as a, I'm buying him as just a collection because I like Tim Tebow, great Gator's quarterback. And so I'm buying a lot of his football and baseball cards just just to have. So you can certainly do that. If you're collecting, you're not as worried about the condition of cards. Like it doesn't matter as much. You just want the card itself. You're not necessarily worrying whether it's graded or not, whether it's authenticated or not. That may not matter as much to you. Um, And you're probably going after guys you like. Whereas if you're investing, you want to be going after the guys who are either going to be the next hot thing, or you want to be going after the guys who are proven and you think are going to continue to win and continue to be proven, or the Hall of Famers who you might be buying just to hold on to for a long period of time, because they do appreciate, um, you know, over the course of time. Um, and you, you know, from an investing standpoint, you are going to be thinking about graded cards, which means cards that have been sent off to a grading service and assigned a grade as to their condition. Um, The two main grading services are PSA and BGS, um, or Beckett, which does BGS for modern cards. And a 10 grade is a perfect grade at PSA. So ideally, if you're buying a card, you're buying a PSA 10, because that means it's in perfect condition. Uh, It's it's spotless, it's flawless. Or with BGS, they consider a 9.5 to be their gem mint grade. So a 9.5 from BGS would mean a card that's in very, very gem mint condition. Um, and so you're probably buying a car that's graded, especially if it's an, if it's a car that's more than like a year old, um, because that way, you know, it's in great condition, you know, that it's been authenticated, it's real. Um, you know, those are things you think about as you're an investor that you, you know, you may not be thinking about as much as a collector.
1: So continuing to kind of keep on the same mindset, like, do you like buying like packs and like hobby boxes, or do you think it's better to just go out and all right, I see a PSA 10, Jacob deGrom rookie card, I'm gonna go out and get that instead of trying to open up out of a pack?
2: Yeah, opening packs is a is is a bad idea from an investment standpoint. It's a lot of fun, you know, buying hobby boxes and and going to Walmart and buying the blaster boxes in the Walmart aisle or the target aisle it's a lot of fun. I do it. I, I buy car, I buy boxes, I open them, I bust them open. But every time I do it, I recognize it's entertainment. It's not investing. Because really, you know, buying a box like that is kind of the equivalent of pulling a slot machine. Most of the time, you're going to, your actual, the cards you're going to get out of it are going to be less valuable than what you paid. You're hoping that you get what's called a really big hit. So you're hoping you get, I mean, in the case of basketball this year, you're hoping you pull out a Zion. And ideally, you're not just pulling out a base zion, but you're pulling out one of the variations that's very rare. And if you do that, then yeah, it can be worth tons of money, thousands and thousands of dollars for a box that you paid, you know, 50 bucks for. But it's again, it's like kind of like a slot machine pull. Like most of the time, you're not going to find a zion on your box. And so most of the time it's not going to be, you know, it's not going to be as worth it for you. Um, so from an investing standpoint, you really wanna be buying the singles of players. You want to be buying their cards individually from people who have already opened the boxes. Um, you want to be buying their individual cards on a website like eBay or Comc, which is check out my cards. Uh, comc.com is another big online marketplace for cards. StockX has gotten into cards recently. There's a number of them. Um, but you want to be buying singles or or another strategy that some people do do use is they'll buy those boxes you're talking about, but they'll never open them. And they'll leave them sealed. And then they'll resell those boxes down the road. You know, because obviously if you, you know, ideally the theory is, well, if you're holding a box of 2019, 2020 basketball, and there could be a Zion inside, you leave it sealed. And then maybe five years or 10 years from now, when Zion wins a championship or is, you know, some, some epic player, you now go sell that sealed box and its price will have gone up substantially because, uh, because the, the, the potential of a Zion card being inside, you know, Zion's cards would have then also have gone up substantially as well.
1: Yeah, that's that's really cool, I think um you really got to be invested though to to buy the boxes and sit on them for five years instead of just buying cards in my opinion, and like i'm not no expert i'm just I'm listening to you man, and i'm telling like i I'm like I open boxes like i am that guy that's gonna go out and get packs. My daughter is eight years old, she loves it i'm not trying to make a ton of money on this um I pulled like a a, a print card like paul goldschmidt one of one card last year and it was a ton of fun you should have seen her face it was it was super fun um that's what like i just like to do like it, like i said i have a bunch of griffy cards i have a huge griffy collection you're talking about your tim tebow collection when i was growing up i played baseball griffy was my guy and i at one point had every card made by griffy and then like i got older and stopped doing it but um really quick if you are a PAX person, like say you're like me, and I pull out a Zion, is it when is it the time to send it off and get graded? Um, if you are opening packs and you do come across something like that,
2: well, grading grading it, grading can very much enhance the value of the card, but only if it's in perfect condition. So really, you've right. got to get that gem mint grade. In order, for, in order for grading to be valuable. Now, if you do get the gem mint grade, grading can be very valuable. It can, it can make the value of your card go up, you know, 2X, 3X, 4X for getting that gem mint grade. Um, but what that means is that the card has to have perfectly sharp corners, perfectly sharp edges, no scratches on the surface on either side, and it has to be well-centered. And that's something that people don't really understand often, new people are getting into it, that when they print these cards, they um the the printing process oftentimes the cards are not perfectly centered so like if you look at like the photo of the player the photo of the player may be slightly more to the left side or the right side of the card it may not be perfectly centered and they'll actually the grading companies centering is a big deal so even if you've got a card that's got great corners and great edges and no scratches and the centering's off it's not going to be a gem and grade. so you you first got to evaluate is this truly a great gem mint perfect card and you really need to look at it under magnification uh, because that's what the grading companies are going to do they're going to take a magnifying glass to it they're going to look to see if they can see any scratches underneath magnification um, and that will affect the grade if they see that Um, if you your other option is to keep it what's called raw which means you don't send it off for grading um, and then you just sell it raw Um, generally what you find generally is that when it when cards first hit the market a lot, everyone's selling them raw. Lots of people are selling them raw because the people who choose to send their cards off to grading, the grading companies are very slow, unfortunately. So you send cards off to PSA or BGS and you're waiting months, literally months to get those cards back. So when a a set first comes out, all you're going to find on the market is raw. It's going to take months until you start to see graded cards on the market from that particular set. What starts to happen though is over the course of time, most of the raw cards that are in really great shape eventually get sent off for grading so you know at, at holding on to raw cards for the long term and then trying to sell them you'll have some you'll have people start to kind of question like oh well if that card's actually in great shape then wouldn't that have already been sent off for grading at some point in time so you're in my opinion if you're going to sell cards raw, you're generally better to do that while they're newer, you know, while they're still fresh. If you're going to hold on to a card for a longer period of time, you're generally going to want to try to get it graded, assuming it's in really good condition.
1: All right. I think that's great info there for sure. Um, so I, I was talking with some guys in, in Slack and one of the questions that like, just seems to be like a question that a lot of people have that I'm guessing we're going to see a lot of people ask you and you know, the content and stuff. If you can really think about anyone like that's going overlooked, maybe some rookies or something that like you can get under a hundred dollars and you know, you can kind of take advantage of cause like, I feel like people are going to want to start small and, and kind of work their way up. And like, I, I think that's, you know, one of those, you know, you were talking about like the investor thing that you have on your website um, this might be a a good way for people to do that as well. Um, is there anybody that's like just maybe standing out to you right now? Yeah, sure.
2: So one of the nice things about sports cards is there's cards at all different price levels for every player. So for example, um, a card that I recommended recently was Anthony Davis. Um, and I liked Anthony Davis because he is going to, when the NBA resumes, He's is going to be on a team that, you know, has a really good shot at the championship. And he also, I think, is a good long-term investment because he is going to stick around LA likely for a long time and, and potentially be kind of the face of the franchise post-LeBron at some point in time. So I, I think Anthony Davis is a great card to be investing in. Um, even with him, like, if you want to invest $10,000 you easily could. If you want to invest $1,000 you easily could. But there were rookie cards of his from some of the lesser popular brands that are that are on, were under 100 bucks when I recommended him. Um, and even if you if even if you don't want to buy one of his rookie cards, you could buy one of his second year cards or a real popular play right now with Anthony Davis is to actually buy this year's card because this year's card is his first card in a Lakers uniform, Optic this year specifically, one of the basketball brands um, Optic it has his very first card in a Lakers uniform so even though it's not his true rookie that's considered his Lakers rookie right and that card you could buy raw meaning ungraded in good condition for 20 bucks maybe 30 bucks now um, so you know you can get it at any price level and that's the type of card that even though it's only 20 or 30 bucks now if the Lakers going to win the championship this year I would not be surprised if that card jumps to 100 bucks um, in fact, I would probably be surprised if it, if it doesn't jump to a hundred bucks. So there, you know, there's your opportunity to get in on a card that's 20 or 30 bucks. And, you know, could potentially see that rise up to maybe a hundred bucks if the Lakers win the championship.
1: Well, we're going to see it skyrocket now. Like, you know, we're going to see Anthony Davis cards being bought everywhere, um, <laughs> with everybody wanting to get into it. Uh, before I let you get out of here again, want to mention the website sportscardinvestor.com use the promo code grinders. Uh, like Jeff said, it's for monthly or annually that you can get the 20% off. Um, and if you do the market mover, you're already saving, what is it, 18 or 20%. Um, so you're really getting a huge discount if you're doing the annually and, you know, take advantage of that. Before I let you get out of here, like I said, we have a lot of Roto Grinders content coming out with Jeff and some other guys I have to know more about this high-end card collection that you have. I hear that you, um, you have a lot of Trey Young and a lot of Lonzo Ball.
2: <laughs> I do, Lonzo, yes, I do. And it's funny because it's not like I'm a huge Lonzo Ball fan, but um, I really, Lonzo Ball was one of the guys who last summer, I said, this guy's really undervalued. And when the Pelicans took Zion, I said, I think there's going to be so much hype around Zion and the, when he gets onto the Pelicans that I think Lonzo is going to be the guy who benefits the most because Lonzo Ball is going to be throwing this guy all of the law passes that you're going to see on ESPN when Zion throws down the alley-oop dumps. So I really thought by association, Lonzo was going to get a boost from Zion coming. And I also thought in general that Lonzo was an undervalued player and And he's been he's been improving his shooting every year. This year he started shooting a three uh, much more consistently than in years past. Um, and so I bought a ton of Lonzo Ball last summer, and it turned out to be a really good investment. Now, I will say the first half of this summer, because or the first half of this season, because Zion did not play, Lonzo Ball's prices actually went down slightly. So they like the first half of the season, it was like, oh well, maybe, Maybe it wasn't a good investment because his prices have actually decreased some. But as soon as Zion came and as soon as the Pelicans caught some fire and Lonzo and Zion were in all these clips together, exactly what I thought was going to happen, happened. And Lonzo Ball's prices more than doubled in the first month that Zion uh, came onto that team. So, um, so yeah, Lonzo, I, I own a lot of Lonzo. I'm pretty happy with my Lonzo Ball collection, uh, for especially right now. And um, at Trey Young, I also think obviously great young player, a guy I'm super excited about, but Trey Young's a little bit of a combination of an investment and a um personal collection because I'm in Atlanta, and I like the Hawks, and I just I think Trey Young's great, I enjoy watching him, I go to some of the hawks games so um so I own Trey Young for both reasons but yes i have I have spent a lot of money uh. I'd say thousands on Lonzo ball and, and actually tens of thousands on Trey Young. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> you know, and that's the thing about sports cards. Like you can, you could buy, like I own, I own a single Trey Young card. That was a $15,000 card. It was one of his national treasures rookies. There's only 99 of them in the world. This is kind of considered his preeminent card is his national treasures RPA, uh, his rookie patch auto, which is a patch of his Jersey an autograph on the card his rookie card from the national treasures collection, which is, which is considered kind of the cream of the crop card collection for basketball and for football. And so, um, those cards are, uh, extremely, you know, extremely valuable, extremely rare. And, um, you know, so I spent about 15,000 on getting a Trey young, but for comparison, you know, the, the Luca of that cards over, you know, well over a hundred thousand, the, um, the uh, Giannis of one of those is, is going to be a couple hundred thousand. Right. So, I mean, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's all relative. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Man, that's crazy. Um, I'm sure you have a lot of cool flip stories. If I ever get you back on the podcast, maybe we'll talk about, um, some cool flip stories that you've had with cards and stuff. Um, final question, favorite card that you have either design or it can't be Tim Tebow. Cause we've already, we've already, I already know it's Tim Tebow. Um favorite card that you have, baseball basketball doesn't matter.
2: That's a great question. Um I'll go with uh, this is these cards actually are not very expensive but I think they're pretty cool. There's actually one behind me on my set. So if anyone watches my show on YouTube, Sports Card Investor, you can kind of see these peeking out for me on my set. But there's these uh there's a set called Noir which isn't it's not like a highly sought after set from an investment standpoint, but they've got these cool cards where um, like there's two separate cards. One's the left half of the card and one's the right half of the card. So to kind of complete the card, you have to find both cards in the set. And so I've got right behind me, I've got this left, right set of Luca. And then next to that, I've got the left, right set of Trey Young. And, um, I, I think those are just cool cards, um, just how they look and, and, uh, how they kind of come together like that. So that's just a little personal collection, but there's so many nice looking sports cards now. I mean, the, so many that have like really cool patches of jerseys i mean some have like some have literally pieces of the player's shoe um on the card some of them have you know the player's batting glove for baseball i mean there's just all kinds of wild things now they're integrating into sports cards Uh, the bat knob like the, the end of a bat um they'll have is you know signed by the player in sports cards and so there's a lot of really really cool cards that are out there that you can buy and collect
1: yeah, I, I noticed really fast, like last year when I was dabbling in it and just playing around and opening packs with my daughter, how much sports cards has changed since when I did it when I was a kid. Um, did not get into investing like you. Maybe I should have now that, you know, I talked to you. Um, but it's it's been a ton of fun getting to know you, Jeff. Um, I really appreciate you coming on. I look forward to everything that you're doing here with Rotor Grinders and um, Sports Card Investor. That's going to wrap it up here for Wednesday. We'll be back talking some more eSports tomorrow on the podcast. Hope everyone has an awesome night. Good luck, and we'll see you then.